Welcome to the Sometimes Spouse Podcast. I am Christy Ogle, the host of the Sometimes Spouse Podcast, and today is Ask an Expert with Dr. Shelly Cole. Welcome, Dr. Cole. Well, Christy, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Uh, We are so excited to have you. This is like one of my most anticipated podcasts because I've been so excited about interviewing you, Dr. Cole. Thanks. We're on the front lines around here. There's a lot of information to share. There is. So today we're going to be talking uh, about the virus. But before we get into this, tell me your story. How did you end up a doctor, Dr. Cole? Oh my gosh. Well, my dad was a doc. And so um, when I was uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I decided I wanted to go to med school. And so, um, yeah, that it was easy because when I was a little tiny tot, he would throw me a plastic kidney when I would be in the playpen, you know, and he would give me these amazing lectures and teach me about cyclic A&P. And so when I got to high school, it was kind of like, Well, I couldn't tell the difference between regular words and really sophisticated kind of biology words. And and so it was very easy for me to kind of transition into medicine. But what I'll tell you is uh, I did get my MD degree. I went to the Mayo Clinic for my residency. It was a great experience, uh, a uh, a real honor to be there. Um, And so as I went into private practice, um, I, I was able to listen to the patients, you know, and really hear what their needs were. And so there was, it was kind of this un, unbiased filter, uh, being able to just say to myself, you know, I'm going to find out what is the best thing I can do for this person sitting right in front of me. And so it's taken me on a journey. And so I've been in private practice for, oh, goodness, uh, at least 25 years here in Temple. So we've been serving the area of Temple, Texas and surrounding cities for over 24 years now in private practice. Wow, that is a long time. Now, Dr. Cole, I know you take care of people all day long, but do you have any kind of interesting hobbies? Oh my gosh. Well, that, now that, that is really tough. I, you know, making time for family is going to be obviously the priority. And, um, you know, the business really does keep me busy, but I sing in the church choir when we have choir practice, you know, um, so I do, I do enjoy going to uh, First Baptist Belton and I sing in the choir, but uh, love Sunday school and uh, love my friends. I try to keep in touch with them over the phone. Sometimes they get mad at me because I just call them while I'm in the car because that's when I have my most most of my time. What's your favorite hymn to sing? Oh my goodness! I would have to say it is well with my soul. You know, Ooh, I like it. Is it. Well with my soul. That's an amazing hymn uh, with an amazing story. But uh, yeah, that would be it. Wow. So I, I've gotten to know you over the last couple of weeks. I, I did a pre-interview with you. We, we've been talking back and forth. And why is science and facts so important in medicine? I, I think everyone knows 
from their high school science. Uh, you know how science was, there's a method to it. There's a reason to it. There's the rules that we live by in science, okay? Uh, what we want to know is the truth, Christy, okay? We don't, we don't want to know bad information. We want to know the truth. And so by forcing us to be true to that scientific method, that leads us on the journey. And so a lot of things have kind of fallen apart. And I would love to spend time on that. You know, um, we, we could talk about that, how I think one of the silver linings, Christy, in all of this mess is that we're finally seeing the corruption in science, okay? We've been dealing with it for decades, okay? But we're now, you know, a lot of people are going, now, wait a minute, isn't that guy a scientist? Like, like he, he's not supposed to be biased. Um, he's not corrupted by money or power or, or you know, um, but sadly, I hate to, I hate to tell people that there's been corruption for a long, long time since 1980. There was legislation, Christy, in 1980 called the Bay Dole Act. Okay. And what it did, it allowed hospitals and universities to receive patents and royalties off of their inventions. Okay. And the goal was we wanted more research, but the result was we corrupted medicine with, you know, with money, okay? We monetized science in 1980. And so now, just kind of picture yourself, if you're the chairman of a department at a big university and you have two scientists and one comes to you and says, hey, Dr. So-and-so, I know this incredible diet. It gets people off blood pressure medicines, it gets them off their cholesterol medicines and they don't have diabetes anymore. It's the most incredible thing in the whole wide world. And it's just a diet. And, and then the next guy comes into the chairman's office and he says, sir, if we just tweak the structure of this cholesterol medicine, the statin, if we just tweak it, we could get another patent and, uh, you know, tend to make a few, few bucks on it. And so, you would be kind of stupid not to go with number two. Now, obviously there's a moral issue there, um, but it, it, if you're kind of scratching your head and you're going, why the heck are there like all of these diseases? For instance, I'll give you one, that non-24 disease. Have you all seen that commercial on te television? Uh -uh. Um, the blind guy walking around, um, saying, you know, I sometimes I can't tell the difference between uh, day and night. Well, the guy is blind, okay? But what happens is that goes on uh, the on television. Everyone goes, you know, I get my days mixed up too. Sometimes I'm awake in the middle of the night, and then I'm really, really tired during the day. And so they want that medicine. Well, guess what? That medicine, you guys cost over $500, okay? I mean, I am not joking. That patented medicine cost over $500, and guess what it is? What is it's, it? It's an adulterated melatonin. It's melatonin, you guys. What? 
It's the the little tablets you can buy in any store. It's just altered it's melatonin. melatonin. It's melatonin. Wow. That's what we're dealing with, the, the craziness. And so, so the, listen, the pharmaceutical industry, I actually used to defend them. And I don't want to spend uh -huh. my time because it's so precious to me trying to defend the pharmaceutical industry. But th there was a time that I did. I said, look, they spent a lot of money in research and development. They need to recoup. But I'm sorry. What happened was when money came into science, then we just, you guys, we, someone's knocking at my door, so I'm losing my train of thought. We just can't, re you've got to understand when somebody, like if a drug doesn't work in a study like remdesivir, oops, I should have said, I shouldn't have said that word. But uh, what happened was instead of uh, the death rate dropping from uh, coronavirus, what happened was um, they found uh, that didn't work. So they changed the statistics, found something that was statistically significant, like, oh, it slowed the hospitalizations from uh, you could get out instead of 14 days, you can get out in 11. And so that's what they publish now. They look for these what we call secondary outcomes. If their if they're real true test uh, doesn't pan out, they don't tell us. It just kind of disappears. So their negative results, uh, they don't report anymore. And so you guys, when my dad was a doc and he would come into my room and he would say, you know, Shelly, we tried to, we tried this med, we tried this med and it didn't work in the studies and it was sad and we were hoping it would work, uh -huh. but it just didn't. And he would go, it's a disappointment. But now that's a multi-billion dollar issue, okay? If a med doesn't work, that's that's big money. And so that's a big, big deal. And so, you know, he would say, you know, Shelly, it's more important to know the negatives, the things that didn't work, because we don't want to go down that rabbit trail, uh -huh. right? We don't want to go down that rabbit trail. We don't want to waste our time looking at something that really didn't work and you know so so now they don't even report the negatives wow so they'll change the study to fit where they need it to fit is what you're saying exactly exactly wow. so they'll they, you know they start with the primary outcome you know we want to lower the death rate uh from strokes and heart attacks yeah and they don't find that and so they don't find anything statistically significant that proves that. So they look for something else and they report that. And so I don't blame the doctors on the front lines. Uh -huh. These are the guys, you know, they're, they're getting their journals, you know, they're getting their journals like the Mayo Clinic Proceedings or, you know, they're getting the New England Journal of Medicine. They have five minutes to read an article. Uh -huh. Okay. And so they look at the conclusion and they're not doing a deep dive into the statistics and they, they trust the New England Journal, okay? Mm -hmm. But we can't trust the New England Journal anymore. And the past editor, Marsha Angles, even told us that we cannot trust the medical literature anymore, okay? Because it's corrupted. The, the pharmaceutical industry is paying for it and it's paying, it's participating in the research, you all. So... Um, you know, these whistleblowers that are being taken down now, I even heard of a wonderful emergency room doctor that was fired because 
she spoke out and said, we need hydroxychloroquine over the counter. Uh-huh. You know, firing people for looking for talking about real science and data. Wow. So could I share a, a couple of things, Christy, that I would really like for people to be thinking about? Yeah, right? definitely. I want to ask you one question, though, before we go on. So you told me there's one study that you can trust. Was it a double blind study or something like that? The kind of study you can trust in medicine is what? Okay, so obviously they're different kinds of study. One, like the study that I'm participating in right now, it's an international study uh-huh. on um, hydroxychloroquine. And um, it is what we call an observational study. I am observing and reporting what's happening with my patients. I put them on this med and I'm observing it. It uh-huh. is not like I take one patient and then I have another patient that's not on the medicine. I, I give the opportunity, once I take a thorough history on a patient, then we ascertain, is it appropriate for that patient to be on hydroxychloroquine? Uh-huh. If it is, then they go on it for prevention, okay? I'm doing treatment and prevention. But that's an observational study. And I justify it because I'm a, a doc on the front lines. Yeah. We don't know much about coronavirus or let's say that, you know, when I was writing scripts initially in March, we didn't know anything. No. Okay. But now we do. Uh-huh. So can I please share yes, that please. the death rate, Christy, the death rate from this virus is 0.26%. Wow. What's the flu? So 99.74% of people who get this virus are going to live. So why are we shutting everything down, Dr. Shelley? Oh, I can't smile anymore, Christy. <laughs> Listen, uh, the flu last year was, le- uh, excuse me, more in, in 2019 and 2018. The uh, death rate from the flu is higher than covid so if you wouldn't do it for the flu, why the heck are we doing it for coronavirus? Wow. I actually had a friend that his um, 28-year-old daughter, who was totally healthy, passed away of the flu. Well, um, it happens. that's where the hydroxychloroquine comes in because the studies, there are 37 peer-reviewed studies and over 60 studies now. Um, with good design, okay, um, we don't want to waste our time on on how to set up a good scientific study. I'd love to talk to you about it, but that'd be I a whole other podcast. People are busy and they and they want to know the lowdown. Yeah. Um, but um, what I wanted to say was that what you need to do is you need to know what is my death rate from COVID. For my age group, okay? We know that 0.26%, you guys, that's what it is, even with these overinflated deaths, and we could spend a lot of time on that. But let's look at the death rate per age group, okay? Uh Uh-huh. So if you are over the age of 65, your death rate, your risk of death, if you get COVID, is 1 in 500. Wow. Okay, that means 499 people will live if they get COVID over the age of 65, okay? 
Now, do you know what the death rate from cancer is? Do you know how many men get cancer in the United States right now? No. What is it? It's one in two. Wow. Okay. Now, Christy, 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 which should she be worried about? Cancer. One in 500 or one in two? Wow. Definitely the one in two. But what we did was we completely excluded all other diseases. And now we're focused on this. People are not getting cancer screening. Yeah. You can't get a mammogram. Okay. I mean, this is crazy. So they're not getting screening. Well, now, please let me preface. Locally, my patients are getting their mammograms, Uh which I'm very thankful to the local community. But I'm hearing uh, outside sources are telling me that people are not able to do cancer screening these days. So for for, um, age 44 to 64, your chances of death if you get COVID are 1 in 2,500. Wow. Okay. If you are between the ages of 25 and 44, your risk of death if you get COVID is 1 in 16,666. Wow. Okay. Now, if you are less than 25, your risk of dying if you get COVID is one in 250,000. So should we be shutting our schools down? No, not at all. Not at all. And uh, the incidence of a child transmitting to adult has not occurred. There's not a reported case of a child transmitting the virus to an adult. So we should open up our schools immediately. These are facts. How come the media is taking that one in 200,000 case and spinning it like that's happening in every community across the United States? They want us to be scared. They They want to scare us. I mean, they're shutting the economy down. This is benefiting some people, right? Uh Uh-huh. The super rich. um, But what we want to do is my whole goal during this uh, pandemic stuff has been to wade through and try to find what is the accurate science. Um, And it's been extremely hard. I Um, bet. Yeah. I think it's really hard for an average person, a lay person like me that's not in the medical field whatsoever, to go out and find that information because I just found you about six weeks ago um, at a meeting that we were at together. So it's been amazing. I was so impressed with Christy. I, I reached out to her and go, who is this woman? She is amazing. <laughs> Thank and you. I just had to get to know you. You are so sweet. Thank you. Keep, keep going. Keep going. No, but like, 
I, I believe this stuff, but then when I heard a doctor who based everything on facts, it, it opened Max and I's world up. Like, we were a little bit scared six or eight weeks ago, but now it's like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? Right, right. What? Well, um, please, even the CDC reports this death rate but you gotta wait through a lot you know you go to their website it's really hard to find the facts um there's a lot of uh fluff in there but um so really at this point you know christy instead of saying how do we prevent this disease yeah what we need to really truly be asking is the question do we prevent it or do we allow it to spread? Uh -huh. Okay. And so remember, overreaching everything in medicine is deaths. That's, uh -huh. that's what we care about. We don't want people to die, right? Yeah. And so what is the way to lower the deaths the most? That actually is to allow people that are at low risk for dying to get a disease uh -huh. so that they will become immune to it. They will not be able to contract it again and they will not be able to spread it. Okay. And so the, the real essence is to truly lower the death rate for those people at highest risk, uh -huh. the population as a whole needs to get the disease who are low risk so that the virus won't be able to spread. So if you're in the grocery store and you've got a bunch of people, you know, 25 year olds that have already gotten uh, the contracted it and they had no idea, you know, the risk of death is one in 250,000. They didn't even know that they, you know, got the disease. Those people can't transmit it to that, you know, elderly female that's walking right next to them in the grocery store, yeah. right? They're immune to it, okay? Now, there's a lot of information about immunity right now, um, but what I would like to share, if you'll give me a chance, yeah. is there are different, there are different types of immunity. One is, is called uh, the T-cell immunity, and that's where the white blood cells go in and they attack the virus inside the cell. That's where a virus lives, is inside the cell, okay? Um, but antibody immunity, antibodies don't go inside cells. Antibodies can kill bacteria outside the cell, but you know, the virus is replicating inside the cells. So what we need to focus on is the type of immunity that can kill that virus inside the cell. That's called T-cell immunity, okay? Uh -huh. And so there's a really uh, smart guy uh, internationally who's a neuroscience doctor, Dr. Friston, and he says that his calculations reveal that about 80% of the United States is already immune to COVID wow. through T-cell immunity. That's amazing. So that's fantastic news, yeah. right? Why are we staying so at home? Percent of us. 
you know, you've been hearing these terms, herd immunity. Yeah. Um, and I know that the the vaccination, uh, they, they, you know, talk about the reason why we need the vaccines are so we can reach herd immunity. Well, you know, if you get a disease, that is the best type of immunity you can get. That's lifetime immunity. Now, there's a lot of questions about it right now because people's antibody titers are waning and they're getting COVID twice. Yeah. And, you know, again, this topic's super complicated. Um, the four scientific groups that originally um, reported on SARS-CoV-2 only did mapping small snippets of RNA. They did not do the full complement of the virus. So no one has formally even looked at the entire viral RNA, okay? So what we would used to call Koch's postulates, which we would say you take the virus from someone who's infected, you inoculate it into someone else, and you confirm that's what it is. This virus causes these symptoms, and um, we have proven it. We haven't even done, we haven't even proven Koch's postulates. We are not even at the beginning of the scientific method, really. Yeah, because this is, this virus is pretty new, or at least this strain of the virus is pretty new. So like you said, in March, you, you guys didn't know anything about it. But now, six months well, into that, it, you're finding yes, out that more. Was my thing. And in March, I didn't, we didn't know anything. They were talking about freezing bodies and they had no, I mean, it was really scary. And so my mindset as a doctor is, what is my, my what is my responsibility? It's to my frontline patient. It's to that yeah. patient sitting in front of me. And the first person I put on prevention for hydroxychloroquine was a lady that was in the only hot spot in Texas. Okay. And I looked at her and I said, good gosh. Holy cow, here you are. I'm writing the script. And so in mid-March, I started writing prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine for uh -huh. prevention. Um, but it is so concerning because this medicine, which is safe and effective, it's World Health Organization list of top 100 essential medicines, okay? Uh -huh. 400 million uses uh, annually of this class of medications all over the world um, has been, I'm sorry, how do I turn this off? <laughs> My, the phone has never rang. We just got a new phone system. So please forgive me. Hopefully you're fine. You're enough. fine. Um, but you are the, the medicines, of, you know, the medicines have been around since before World War II. Mm -hmm. Okay. They are, you can use them in children. You can use them in women, pregnant women. Okay, how many drugs can say that? Yeah. And then you can use them in lactating women. You can use them in any age category. They have been approved by the FDA for all of those, okay? But all of a sudden they start, there's a group of people apparently that don't want to even study it. So when they say it's anecdotal evidence, Mm-hmm. That really concerns me because even the NIH that, that Fauci is a part of, they did a study in 2005 and they were looking at a coronavirus, uh -huh. okay? 
and they used hydroxychloroquine and found it to be statistically significant in their double-blinded placebo-controlled studies that they say are the gold standard of uh -huh. science. So, um, so as a doctor on the front line, we have got to use our experience, the experience that we've garnered over the decades, okay? You cannot just go to square one again and in the middle of a pandemic say well, we need a double-blinded placebo-controlled study. I am not going to sit and look at somebody and say, I'm going to give you a placebo and, well, you just got the short end of the stick. You know, right now we have to use what we already know, apply it, do the best we can. People understand that, that we don't know the virus, but now we do. The death rate's 0.26. Wow, that is such a low number, especially when you put it into perspective for the numbers, like one in two have cancer, one in, depending on your age range, one in 500 one in was the highest. Uh, di uh, diabetes or pre-diabetes, why aren't we worried about that? Yeah. Talk about stress, uh, you know, diabetics, you know, they're, they're struggling to get their meds. They don't want to go into the hospital because they're scared of getting COVID. Yeah, that is insane. So another thing I have to ask you about, because I had several people be like, ask the doctor about this. What about the mask? What is that about? All right, take it off okay. right I'll now, Christy. Done. So what I will tell you about the masks, there are 12 double-blinded placebo-controlled studies, which, okay, the, the experts consider the gold standard of scientific method and testing. There are 12 double-blinded placebo-controlled studies uh -huh. that show at the very best, the mask does nothing. Nothing. At the very worst, it actually is harmful, Christy. So you take off that mask right now. Okay, why do we cough? Why do we sneeze, Christy? To get that Tell stuff me. out. Get that stuff out of us. So, and we're wearing a mask that we're going to, what, auto-inoculate? Yeah. But we, we, okay. Is this is this a smart thing to do? Hey, let's throw in goggles. I, I heard that was a new one. Now we're, now wow. we're supposed to wear goggles. That's crazy. My kids might like that. They love wearing goggles in the pool. <laughs> well, I hate it. I hate wearing the mask because my glasses fog up. Yes. So my daughter's having to do the grocery shopping now because I refuse. I refuse. Uh, yeah, I have my kids go out too because I won't. Because this is what I got, Dr. Shelley. I haven't had a pimple in years. I got a pimple and I swear it's from the mask. I'm sure it is. I'm yeah. sure it is that that mask does nothing. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not washing so you know, it. Listen, we know that a virus, <laughs> the coronavirus is 0.3 microns. Uh-huh. That's a millionth of a meter, okay, that's the size of one one-hundredth of a hair, okay? The mask does not prevent that from being transmitted, okay? Wow. I'm sorry, one one-hundredth the size, diameter of a hair, okay? We're, we're, we're not, Insane. you know, we do prevent the aerosolization, the, the, the moisture, um, but the studies that do show benefit, they're really, you know, when I was looking at them, a lot of them were um, where they just did a test. So mm -hmm. they said, okay, 
put the mask on and we'll see how far <laughs> you know it can spread. And so, but, but what we want to do is we want to clinically apply it. So those 12 double-blind and placebo-controlled studies that said, hey, masks help this person not get the disease, that's not what happened. The, it did not happen. So at the very best, they do nothing. At the worst, they are harmful. So I had a couple of friends that they wanted to go and get tested. They went to some local testing facility. They got in line. They gave their numbers. But after a couple of hours, they, they said they weren't going to wait the six more hours to find out if they had COVID or not. So they leave the line. They get a call the next day telling them they're positive. And they weren't tested at all. Now, these were your friends? They were my friends. I heard it from them. It wasn't something I saw on Facebook. That they, they had their names, that's it. And then they got the call saying they were positive, even though they weren't tested. Have you heard any kind of thing like this going on? And that's what's increasing well, our numbers? You know, that's just another um, corruption of the data, you know, but... We could get even more uh, into the weeds because, like, remember I was telling you that no one's ever really done the full complement of the virus. They are taking these tests on snippets of mRNA that some people already carry. Uh-huh. Okay? So if, if they're doing a test that somebody, you know, just incidentally happens to have that snippet of RNA already, um, they're going to test positive. Okay? So this is a nightmare. And so they're basing these antibody tests like the vaccination, you know, on, on less than the full complement of SARS-CoV-2. It's, you know, what, what, what we need is to step back and we need to say, we can't rush things, okay? These, uh, we, we have a safe and effective medication right now, like I said, 37, peer-reviewed studies and over 60 studies showing that if you use hydroxychloroquine early, it's very safe. It's very safe and effective. And so my reason, Christy, that I'm trying to get the word out now instead of sitting back here taking phone calls, which I do have a list of calls yeah. after we get off, is that I'm concerned about those people who are positive who are, you know, so like your friends, they just want to be tested, which I wouldn't recommend doing that. Yeah. But, you know, um, if you go um, and you get a positive test, um, that is concerning because you're obviously at higher risk for getting the disease. And, um, you know, now because the testing is really questionable too because of the lack of information with the RNA, but nevertheless, those people are at high risk. And uh -huh. so they need to start hydroxychloroquine early. Okay. The other group of people are, they're having symptoms and they are short of breath. Uh -huh. They have loss of taste or smell. They have a fever over 100.4. Um, those people are, you know, they can be treated with hydroxychloroquine but it's getting late. Uh -huh. you know? So I am told that some people are being told, well, take some Tylenol and call. You know, if your symptoms progress, call and we'll 
We'll talk to you then. We'll get a chest x-ray then. We don't want to wait until it has lung manifestations. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so when I was unable to write for hydroxychloroquine uh, by the 19th of March, I had written about 120 uh, patients at that point. And so apparently we had the largest pool of uh, mm -hmm. patients on prevention at that time. And um, I couldn't write for it anymore. And so um, I started offering um, intranasal ozone therapy. Um, ozone um, actually helps kill viruses. And we know that viruses will live and harbor in the, in the nostrils for 15 days before it can uh, be transferred down into the lungs. So we killed the virus, you know, um, intranasally, then um, that would be a smart thing to do. So that's what we started offering that because I wasn't able to write it. Um, and then because I was participating in a study, they allowed me to write the prescriptions again. Good. Now it wasn't in the state of Texas. I had to get a special pharmacy from New York, but they would ship it down here. It was much wow. more expensive. I My bet. patients were getting hydroxychloroquine prevention, Christy, for $11.81 for a 90-day supply. Wow. And I would write a script for a year, okay? Uh -huh. So they'd get their little $11.81 and they would take their pills. It would be two pills once a week is what uh -huh. I was writing for. And no one, to my knowledge, now we're still working on our survey, uh, but no one, to my knowledge, no one's contacted me and said, I got COVID, Dr. Cole, hmm. um, after my, um, you know, low-dose prevention. And that was 120 people. So far. So far. more now. Um, but what happened is, do you all remember that the emergency, uh, the FDA revoked um, the use of hydroxychloroquine emergently. And it's like, well, I'd never heard of this. And they huh. have never told us that we can't use an FDA approved medicine. I mean, we use medicines off label oftentimes in medicine. That's not uncommon. And so I've never had this scrutiny by the pharmacist saying, um, hey, you can't write that script. You know, you can't write that script. And, and I'm like, well, I, it's approved by the FDA. What are you talking about? So they uh, stopped allowing us to write for it. Okay. And so then I couldn't write anymore. Um, but, but the good news is in the state of Texas, mm -hmm. that uh, revocation just quietly expired on the 17th of July. So I can write hydroxychloroquine again. Um, and so if you have symptoms, okay. If you have symptoms, loss of taste or smell, or you have a high fever, or you're short of breath, um, or if you have multiple, you know, comorbidities, you're you're worried. You know, uh, we are doing telemedicine evaluations now. Uh huh. Um, I'm prioritizing those people that are COVID positive or they're symptomatic. Okay. Uh now I will write preventative for asymptomatic, no testing people. Uh -huh. I'm happy to do that. Um, they just have to kind of wait in line uh -huh. uh, because I, again, I know we have now studies to confirm if we use a hydroxychloroquine quick and early on this disease that, that they never have to be hospitalized. Okay. That there, it's a very safe and effective medication for um, SARS-CoV-2.
Now, I think the worst symptom would be that loss of ta- loss of taste and smell for me. I, I would oh, just would be for me go insane. <laughs> Absolutely, I know that one right away. You know? <laughs> I did have a question come in from one of our viewers. They said, "Is there an alternate medication to the hydroxychloroquine?" Well, there's chloroquine. Oh. Okay. But you can't get it in the U.S. Oh. It's a little, it's even a little bit cheaper than hydroxychloroquine, but it's not quite as safe um, or effective. Uh-huh. Um, but there's chloroquine. Um, you know, the, the only thing that hydroxychloroquine does is it slightly alters the pH. So it, it allows zinc to get in the cell. And zinc is what kills the virus, you guys. So I hope everyone's on zinc, but you know, my staff told me they went to five different stores uh-huh. to try to find zinc and they couldn't. And then finally, she went up to the pharmacist and said, do you have any zinc? And the pharmacist kind of reluctantly, you know, grabbed a bottle underneath the counter and said, well, yeah, here, we've got some zinc, but there's a run on it, you know, uh-huh. like, oh my gosh. So if you can't see it on the shelves, please ask your pharmacy. But everyone, you know, should absolutely consider zinc. I have, Christy, on my website, Uh Healthy Success Works. I have the 10 Commandments to Reopening. So they can go there and pretty much it's about helping your immune system um, be boosted so that if you get the condition, which again is probably not such a bad thing. Um, if you get the condition, then you've got your zinc to help kill it in the cell. You've got vitamin D, you've got vitamin C, you've got selenium, quercetin. Um, get out in the sun. Um, there are a lot of good recommendations on there. So you can go to Healthy Success Works and it's under my blog, 10 Commandments. Yeah, so again, it's healthysuccessworks.com, and that's where you can get the Ten Commandments um, to help prevent this virus. Because a healthy immune system, from what you've told me, is one of the most important things. Thank you, Christy. Yes. I'm learning. (laughs) And, And so what is the best way, what is the best way, um, to, to have immunity. It's not to get a vaccination. It's to get the disease if you're at low risk for death. So everyone really is going to have to do some soul searching and say, okay, my risk is, for my child is one, in, one out of 250,000 for death. So, you know, walking and getting hit by a car on the, on the side of the road, you, is, the risk is one in 541. Wow. Okay. So you, you, you just have to kind of really play a risk game. That's what we do. Risk and benefits, risk uh-huh. and benefits. So you have to really start to decide, you know, um, I know that if I, t- if I get my child and I and they're playing, they got some good vitamin D, maybe I'm going to start that child on some zinc. I'm going to make sure they eat oranges and they have lots of vitamin C because vitamin C is depleted in the body every day. Mm-hmm. So you got to replenish it every day. Okay. 
And so, you know, you, we've got to use some common sense. You can't pick one disease over every other disease. Wow. So, Dr. Shelley, how do we move beyond this point in society to quit being fearful and go back to living our lives? Yes, yes. Well, um, we need good information. You know, we need to spread the information. My Facebook page is Healthy Success Works, okay? Um, and so I think I posted it on there. I, I mean, you all, I, you know, I, I, I'm busy and I, I don't have a marketing person. I'm in private practice. Well, actually, I do have a marketing person, but, you know, anyway. So it's a lot. You know, all this social yeah. media, I, I, you know, this is... This is kind of crazy. We used to do the yellow book pages, and but the, I'll never forget the year that the yellow book guy comes, and I just looked at him. I said, "I'm not doing it, dude." And he's like, yeah. "I know, I know." <laughs> so life changes, and but but so we can get information out, can't we, Chris? Uh huh. We can. Right, and so that's what I want to help with. So, but anyway, if if somebody needs a telemedicine, call the office. Um, we do have to take a formal intake, so I have to kind of talk to you on the phone and really kind of work this out. So there is a fee involved. It's one hundred and twenty-five dollars to do that. But um, you know, I'm just committed to helping people. Um, if it's in an emergency situation, you can say that. Um, I'll try to I'll have to figure out some way to listen to the voicemails. But um, anyway, um, we just want to help out people and we want to base base it in real science. We want to move away from fear, okay? We, we don't need to live in a world of fear. We, we want to we know what works. And the good news is the death rate's low and we got a very effective medication that's that's now available. So Dr. Shelley, I want our viewer, our listeners and viewers to be able to contact you. We know it's healthysuccessworks.com, Healthy Success Works on Facebook. And y'all, I'm going to push it out also. But what is your phone number to call? It's 254-773-8330. And I'm on Twitter, but I'm not that good at it. But it, it's for the number four, Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R, Shelly. So it's for Dr. Shelly is my Twitter, what? What's the handle? Word? My Twitter. Twitter handle. Tag or my, yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> Dr. Shelley, before I end an interview, I always like to ask them a fun question. So my okay. fun, fun question for you is you're stranded on a desert island, but all of your human needs are met. What are two things, two luxuries you would take with, your, with you to pass the time on this tropical desert island? Oh, that, that, that two or one? Why don't you make it even tougher? Two. Oh, two. Two. Well, I can I can give you one. Okay, cool. Um, I would take my Bible. Take your Bible. I would take my Bible. My Bible has kept me grounded all of these years. I would have gone stone cold crazy if I didn't have that silly thing. 
I take my Bible. Awesome. I probably take a pillow. You know? Gotta <laughs> be comfortable. Those my pillows, I, but, but I take a pillow, right? I take a pillow and maybe blanket, but I take my Bible. Awesome. Well, Dr. Shelley, I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for being on the Ask an Expert podcast by Sometimes Spouse. My pleasure. And you have a great day, Christy. Thanks so much. You also. I want to end this podcast on a quote by Malcolm X. The media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have power to make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. I'm Christy Ogle with the Ask an Expert podcast by Sometimes Spouse. And today on Ask an Expert, we had Dr. Shelley. Thank you guys for listening. Have an amazing weekend. Bye-bye.